Good evening, how are you? Good. Good. Going to talk tonight about the light. And the title of this message is Light, Light, Light. We're going to talk about the radical light, the revealed light, and the reflective light. What do I mean? First of all, the radical light. The word radical comes from a Latin word, and you know what it means? It means a root. Did you know that? Very good. It means root, foundation, if you will. So when we talk about the radical light, we're talking about God himself. Now in Scripture, light is a symbol of many things. Truth versus error. Purity versus sin. And goodness, essentially meaning bounty and all that is good. And God, as God, is good. Amen? Amen. When, the, when the scripture says that God is light, it means not only that he is holy, but that he is bountiful or benevolent or kind. Notice this in the book of James, if you want to turn there with me. We're going to look at several scriptures tonight. But I won't keep you too long because I know you're all really tired. You've had a long day of festivities. In the book of James, chapter 1, James says this in verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire is conceived, it gives forth, excuse me, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth a death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. So God is originally good. He is the radical good, meaning he is the fountain of all good. All the good that we see in creation, all the good that we see even in our fellow men, have their origin in God himself, because man is created in the image of God. And though fallen, and though sinful, yet we see these wonderful things that man, meaning humanity, produces. Wonderful art, wonderful poetry, wonderful medicine, wonderful inventions, even an iPhone. How cool is that? But all of the good that we see in man comes originally from God, because God is the creator. So God, but God is not only originally good, God is simply good. What do I mean by simply? Well, James says it right here. Notice what James says. He says in verse 17, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. But he doesn't end there. He goes on and says, With whom, meaning the Father of lights, there is no variation or shadow of turning. Now if you remember in 1 John chapter 1, when John tells us about God being light, he says, God is light. Should we turn there? Let's turn there. It's just a couple pages here. Right. First John. 
Look what, look what John says. In 1 John chapter 1, he says, this, verse 5, This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you, that God is light. But notice he doesn't stop there. He says, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Same thing James is saying. James doesn't just say, God is the father of lights, but he adds something and there's no variation or shadow of, of darkness or turning. The moon at night is very bright, isn't it? Well, not always, but when it's a full moon, it's very bright, right? If you agree, say yes. yes. Have you had your latte tonight? <laughs> so you look at the moon and it's very bright in the sky, but you know what? The moon has a dark side. Matter of fact, the dark side of the moon is always dark. And the bright side is always bright. So you could not say that the moon has no shadow of turning. Or there's no darkness at all. So it's light, ah, but it's also darkness. And in, in some religions, even today, but especially in ancient, ancient philosophy and religion, they believed that God was the source of both good and evil. He was both light and darkness. Ying and yang. But scripture says, no, God is the source of good, not evil. And so the Bible explains the origin of evil being through the, the fall of Lucifer and then the temptation of man. But God originally created everything good. He looked at all that he made and said, behold, it is very good. So God is, is simply good, meaning not only is he light, but he has no shadow. He has no darkness. Not only is he good, but he's not good a whole bunch and has a little bit of bad. Or he's not good sometimes and bad other times, but he's good and he has no shadow, no variation. He's purely good or simply good, unadulterated good. He's also thirdly immutably good. Which means that God never changes. God is purely good or simply good, but He will always be that way. He has always been good. He brought forth creation. He preserves the world. He provided salvation. All of this because He is good. And He will never cease to be good. Because He doesn't change. He's never altered. Nothing will ever change Him. Some people I know are really good, and sometimes they're not so good. Right? You can be in a good mood, or maybe you're in a bad mood. God's in a good mood all the time. So we say God is good, and God is good always. Right? And he never changes. He is immutably good. He is good in his creation. He is good in his preservation of the world. And ultimately, he is good in his redemption of fallen men and women like you and I. But the second light is the revealed light, and that is our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, In the book of Hebrews, if you'd like to turn there, in chapter 1, we're looking at a lot of chapter 1s, have you noticed? In Hebrews chapter 1, here's what the author says. Hebrews 1, verse 1. It says, God who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets. 
has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, and through whom he also made the worlds. Who, meaning the Son, being the brightness of his glory, and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Notice that this son, in verse 3, is called the brightness of his glory, and the express image, this is the New King James, the express image of his glory. It could be translated that he is the exact representation of his glory. You see, God is good. Amen? God is light. And yet men can look at the world and not see God at all. They can look at the world and maybe acknowledge a God, but not see the goodness of God. The bounty of God. The mercy of God. The grace of God. The love of God. So this light, this radical light, had to be revealed in another way besides creation. And so the Son comes, and God the Father, who, is, who is, dwells in unapproachable light, now comes in the person of the Son, the exact representation of the Father's glory, but in a form, meaning a human form, that is now accessible to us and to our senses. So now the light is revealed. You think of uh, a magnifying glass. When you, when you take a magnifying glass and the sun shines through it, as the, as the light goes through that glass, it becomes more intense, right? Because the ray, if you will, becomes narrow. It's like a, raz- it's like a laser. You take light, which is harmless, but if you can focus it intensely on one spot, it becomes, it becomes like a laser and it can burn. So God the Father's light, is, is, it's revealed everywhere. If we could only see it. But we don't see it. And so, so God then his, takes his light, if you will, and he focuses, he magnifies it, intensifies it in the person of his Son. So in his Son, we can now see the Father. Because the Son took on human form and the Son entered human history. John chapter 1. Are you surprised? John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1. John says regarding the Son, whom he refers to here as the Word, in John 1 1, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. In verse 14, John tells us how this word was magnified, if you will. And he says, And the word became flesh. And dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. 
Remember what Hebrew says? That the sun is the brightness of His glory. So in the sun, incarnate, in the sun, assuming humanity, we can behold His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus, as we learn later in the book of John, is the light of the world. Or as John says here in chapter 1, He is the true light. His light is true. His light is a revealed light. Because He is also being God, He has the light in Himself. He is the light. Jesus doesn't reflect the light. He is the light. Because He is one with the Father. But he's the revealed light because in Jesus, the light of the Father becomes clearer, it becomes nearer, and it becomes dearer. Because the more clearly we see the Father, because the Son has become come near to us in his humanity, the more then we are drawn to him. And the Father is accessible and he is dearer to us. We learn to love the Father through seeing the Son. The third light is the reflected light. Book of Matthew, but not chapter 1. Book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 5. I probably could have found a chapter 1 if I didn't, if I worked, really worked hard. I could have made that work somehow, but, uh, in Matthew chapter 5, this is one of the most profound, uh, passages of scripture in my mind. Because here in Matthew 5, Jesus refers to the church as the light of the world. Now remember, Jesus said that he was the light of the world. Well, ultimately, the Father is the light of the world, right? Because he's the radical light. The Son is the light of the world. He's the revealed light. But we are now called the light of the world. Why? Because we are the reflected light. We have no light in ourselves, meaning we are not the fountain of light. We are not the source of light. But as we draw near to the true light, we could say as we are filled with the true light, we then reflect that light. So the sun shines and it is the source of light. The moon has no light in itself, does it? It looks so bright at night when it's full. But it has no light. But it reflects light. And if we were out in space and we looked at the earth, we would see that the earth is bright also. When it's reflecting the light of the sun. And so it is with the church. Jesus says of us in Matthew 5, verse 13, He says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It's then good for nothing but to be thrown out, to be trampled underfoot by men. You, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill could not be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Now, this is such an awesome passage. And I mean awesome in in the true meaning of the word. Awe-inspiring. To think that we are now the light of the world. 
Not in ourselves, but in our reflection of the true light. The church, like Christ, is the light of the world, but our light is reflective, not radical. We are not its source. We're not its origin. We do not generate the light. We receive light and we reflect light. But the thing we have to understand, we the church, is that our light shines only to the degree that we are near the true source of light. And no more. We are only as bright as we are near. So when Jesus says that we are the light of the world, he, he really implies that we can fail in being this light when he says you can be under you know, a basket. You can be like a candle that somebody puts a basket on and it gets extinguished. So for the church to fulfill its mission to be the light, what must we do? We must draw near to the true light, to the radical light, and to the revealed light. And it is as we commune with the true light that we reflect His light more and more and more. Ephesians chapter 5. Two more scriptures and we'll close. Ephesians chapter 5. The Apostle Paul tells us this. He says here in verse 8 of Ephesians 5. He says, for you, he's talking to Christians. So if you're a Christian, he's talking to you. For you were once darkness, meaning before you came to Christ. You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light is in all goodness and righteousness and truth finding out what is acceptable to the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. So we need to be filled with the light in order to reflect the light. You know, the uh, in our Bible class recently, we were talking about the origin of sin. And I asked the class, what's the origin of sin? And some of them said, well, you know, Adam and Eve. Uh, that, but that's not really the origin of sin. The origin of sin is Lucifer. Right? And when you read Scripture in the Old Testament, there's several passages that talk about how sin entered the universe. And it was through Lucifer. And Lucifer was called the Day Star. Surprisingly, also a name of Jesus. Just like Jesus called the lion, but so is the devil. He's like a roaring lion. Right? This Lucifer, this Day Star, was the highest created being. He was the highest cherubim. And he was one of the cherubim that, that was over the, the, the uh, mercy seat in heaven. He, was, he hovered over the throne of God. Now when you read Ezekiel or the book of Revelation, you see that there are these, these creatures called seraphim and cherubim. They're very odd creatures. Six wings, a bunch of eyes, right? Like, wow. They go around the throne and they sing, holy, 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 holy. This, this beautiful angel, this day star, was a creature of light. And it says in, in Isaiah and in Ezekiel that he was covered with beautiful um, diamonds and emeralds and sapphires. 
And as he hovered over the light of the throne of God, he reflected the glory of God. And he was beautiful. But he was only beautiful because he was reflecting God's light. But it says in Scripture that he became enamored with his own beauty. And he was puffed up with pride and he fell and was cast down. And now he's a creature of darkness because there's, even though he may have this same covering, he's not reflecting the light anymore. We're also told that someday when we see him, we will say, is this the one that shook the nations? This one? We'll be shocked at how he appears. His beauty and glory and radiance was derivative. And it was only as he was near the throne that it reflected the glory of God. And the same is true of us. We are the light of the world. There are people in our world, there are people in your family, there are people you will see tomorrow who need to see the light of Jesus Christ. And that's you. That is you. You are the nearest thing to Jesus that they will ever come to. How do we show the light? It's by us dwelling in that light ourselves. It is by us, through our daily communion with the Father and the Son through the Spirit. It is by our daily time in the Word. It is by our daily time in prayer. It is by our daily time in worship. It is by our communing with God through His Spirit that we then are transformed into His image. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and we will close. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Listen to what Paul says. He says this, talking about the glory of the new covenant. He says in the old covenant, Moses would go up in the mountain, then he'd come down and he'd have a veil on his face. Because when Moses, after spending days in the mountain with God, when Moses would come down, his face would shine. And, the, and, and you know what the people of Israel did? They got freaked out. It spooked them that his face was glowing. So he put a veil on when he came down. And of course, that's symbolic of the veil that lies on the human heart. God's glory is veiled to the human heart because of our fallenness and our sin. Paul says this in Second Corinthians chapter 3. Um, talking about the glory of the new covenant which we have where do I begin it's also good verse 12 therefore 312 therefore since we have such hope we use great boldness of speech unlike Moses not like him who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadfastly at the end of what was passing away but their minds were blinded or it could be translated literally their minds were their minds were veiled He's doing a play on words here. Moses put the veil on his face, but the real problem is their minds were veiled. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. 
Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord or when the heart turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And we all, with unveiled face, in other words, those of us who have turned to the Lord, we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. Just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So as you learn to gaze upon the Lord through His Spirit, you are transformed into the thing upon which you look. Verse 3 of chapter 4, But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age is blinded or veiled, who do not believe, lest the light of the glory of the gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Verse 6, For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who is shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Where do we get the light of the knowledge of the glory of God? In the face of Jesus Christ. And so we have God's Spirit, and His Spirit in us shows us the revealed light of Jesus. And as we look at Jesus, and as we meditate upon Jesus, as we commune and fellowship with Jesus, we then see the glory of God in His faith, face, and we are changed into that image. We become light by looking at the light. Amen? So remember, we now are the light of the world. And especially at this time of year, must we be that light. This is, this is the time of year when you will be around friends and family you may not see for a whole other year. And this may be uh, one of the last opportunities they have to see the light of God in you. So let your light shine. Let it shine. Let it shine tomorrow when you're with family and friends. Show them Jesus Christ, the Christ that is in you through His Spirit. Amen? Let's stand together. Lord, we thank You that You are the light. You are pure good. You are radically good. You are immutably good. And Lord Jesus, we thank You that You've come to reveal the light of the Father, and that through your work, Lord, now we can see the Father in a, in a clearer way. And Lord, we thank you that, giving, that you've given us the privilege to share with you in being the light of the world. We pray, Lord, that each one of us would truly reflect you. I pray that each one of us, Lord, would truly be filled with your spirit, truly behold your glory and be changed into your image, that we might fulfill our calling as the light of the world. We ask all these things for your glory, Lord Jesus, and we pray in your name. Amen.